0: Sal Berry, and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. Today we are going to continue our journey through the 1990-91 hockey card sets. This episode we are going to talk about score hockey. Tim, how are you and what do you think of score hockey from... 1991
0: i am doing well and what do i think of score hockey well this is the all-american red white and blue set even though it has a canadian version
1: that is true it does have a little american flag on the back too and a canadian flag
0: perfectly patriotic
1: so thinking about like the 9091 sets and we've been kind of going in like reverse order or I guess we could say from worst to best because we started with Bowman because both of us agreed wholeheartedly that that was the worst set of the seven 9091 major releases. Oh, uh, hands down. Hands down, right? Yes. And then you had like Thompson, and OPG, OPG Premier, you know, as we're moving up because OPG Premier is good, but to me, it's the middle of the pack set. Now we're in that upper half of 9091. I mean, you can argue if Score was the best set. If Pro Set was the best set, or if Upper Deck was the best set. Now I will come out and say Pro Set was my favorite. No surprise there. Upper Deck, I still think is the best set from 9091, even though I liked Pro Set better and still like 9091 Pro Set better than 9091 Upper Deck. I can see that Upper Deck is the better set. But looking through the score cards uh, from 9091, I gotta say this is a fun set of cards. It it feels Definitely, like, a score football set or a score baseball set where it just had, like, lots of little, like, oddities and stuff like that the other cards didn't do. Like, Upper Deck did do some season highlight cards, and we'll talk more about that when we talk about Upper Deck, like Mario Lemieux's uh, point-scoring streak and stuff like that. But this had, like, a lot of subsets that were kind of uh, interesting. The record-setters, award-winners... Season leaders, first-team All-Star, second-team All-Star, all-rookie-team All-Star, the conference final and Stanley Cup, a couple cards commemorating the Hall of Fame inductees for 1990, a very large prospect set, uh, draft pick subset, and I should say a prospect subset. Uh, And then those, um, I don't know what you call them, but like the specialist cards like Speedster, Blaster, Sniper, Magician, Banger, and Shadow. And and these were in addition to a pretty big base set of just players. And and these were all base cards, by the way. There weren't really any short prints um, except for the five Eric Lindros cards that only came in the boxed sets. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that this set had a lot of variety, and it was kind of a little more fun i think like it didn't feel as serious at least the 440 card set like it was serious but i think the little the little um subsets subsets are really a dying breed if you think about it either everything now is either a base card a short printed rookie card or an insert card but this is back when you had what would basically be inserts like if you think of like the shining stars inserts right okay, like yeah
0: well, oh, uh, you're exactly right on that. Everything that comes out now that it's a subset is actually an insert. Right. It's either it's either numbered differently or yep. it's a completely different design or it strays from the what the what the idea of the design is of the base set completely or like you said it's going to be some kind of short print. So like, you know, some of the lower end sets to compare this to now, something like an MVP where, you know, there's a, there's a lot in the checklist but once you pass card 200, everything's short printed. Right. So if you're opening packs, you get one every two pack. And there's no guaranteeing that you're going to get any of the rookies or the veteran players that are included in that higher end series. So, uh, so yeah, having all of those, the snipers and the speedsters, speedsters. and all of the little extras that score through in, that was something different that card companies did back then that they don't really do now.
1: So I'll just give you, you all the basic facts about this set. So there are 440 cards for score. There was an American version and there was a Canadian version. Most of the cards were the same. We'll talk about the differences in a minute. But 440 cards, you would get cards. Uh, they were 50 cents a pack for 15 cards. Mandels were the days. 50 cents for 15 cards. And it's like a nickel a card. Oh, and the packs were very easy to search because they were printed on very, very translucent. I don't know, like kind of that those, those like poly packs, super thin
0: plastic, like a garbage bag almost.
1: So you could see through the top. You could see through. You could see the top card through the wrapper and I and the bottom card too, to a lesser extent, although that was harder because the back of the wrapper had a lot of text on it and the backs of the cards had text on it. But sometimes I mean, if you knew what you're looking for, you'd be like, hey, that's an Eric Lindros card because the text is going this way instead of this way or whatever. And I will say at 15 years old, I was definitely guilty of searching packs. I remember our jewel Osco used to have a card aisle and they just had tons of cards like. You know, like, it wasn't just, like, a few boxes. There were probably eight boxes of score hockey out and, like, eight boxes of, like, tops and upper deck. They just had them all out. And I remember just spending, like, half an hour just searching the score packs and probably spending $10 on hockey cards that day, which was a lot of money for me in 1990. But getting, you know, every pack had a hit on the top.
0: Uh, A hit, quote, unquote. Yeah. Yeah, okay,
1: not, like, yeah, like it either had uh, Lindros, Ronick, maybe Broder, maybe some of the uh, I don't know if I was really speculating on Broder in nineteen ninety. I, I probably would have um,
0: No way you were. Nobody no.
1: was. No, I, I would have uh, I but Yager definitely. If it had a Yager or a Lindros, those would have been my my go to's. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I can see that. No nobody was was prospecting Broder at the time. I mean, this was the only set that he was even included in.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, so the notable rookie cards in this set. So the guys who only have rookie cards in '90-'91 Score and not the other '90-'91 sets, you already know two of them. Said Broder, and we know that Eric Lindros was the second one because uh, he had an exclusive deal with Score. He was their spokesman until he. Well, it was their spokesman all through the '90s, but until. Lindros actually played in the NHL. He could only appear in score sets, which didn't stop upper deck story for another time. But you know who the third guy? Third notable NHLer who has a rookie card only in the set.
0: Only in the score set? Yep. Um it's gotta be We already said Lindros, so we already said Berger. I'm gonna go with
1: Do you wanna have three do you wanna do three
0: clues? Sure, three killers. Give you.
1: Oh, you get to ask three questions, and you can't say, "Is it Mario Thayer?" Because the answer is no, because he doesn't count. He is uh, actually only in that set, but he's not a notable NHLer.
0: Is it a? It's not a Hall of Famer, is it? No. Okay. Um. Damn, I used that as a question. I shouldn't have used that. Okay. What division do they play for?
1: Oh, or, uh, back back maybe then. Maybe I should it say been...
0: what team they were on. Can oh, I be well, that specific?
1: Sure. Capitals.
0: The Capitals. Is it Oli Kolzig?
1: Oli or Oli the goalie? Olaf Kolzig. Yeah. So Olaf Kolzig is one of the many uh, rookies found in that NHL Prospect 90. Uh, subset. as far So notable rookie cards, Martin Broder, Eric Lindros, Olaf Kolzig, plus a lot of the other guys that you'd find in the other sets, like Mike Madano, Jeremy Roenick, Alexander McGilney, and so on and so forth. So guys who basically played in 89-90, and in a lot of draft picks from 90-91, like Jaromir Jagr, Martin Broder, well, I already said Brodeur, Owen Nolan, Mike Ricci, Keith Primo, Felix Potvin, you know, uh, they did a really good job. They didn't get everybody in the first round but they got the most first rounders of any set that year so, so once um, again
0: another set that's packed with hall of fame rookie cards and potentially future hall of famers yes i mean what's well, that eight eight hall of famers that have rookie cards in this set
1: uh i mean Madano, roenick eventually will be in the hall broder's in the hall Lindros is in the hall i don't i don't have the exact count in front of me Yager uh, will eventually be in the hall Oh, and then you got like the Russian guys like Larianoff and Fatisov and Makarov. So There's yeah, three probably, right there. Probably close to uh Mark uh, Recy's
0: in there. So that's another one.
1: Curtis Joseph's in there.
0: He's not in the Hall of Fame
1: though. Oh, that's right. Yeah, sorry. Even though he has oh, more
0: Matt wins than De- Matt Matt and Rob Blake.
1: Yes, Matt, Matt Sundin. So here's an interesting little tidbit since we're talking about the rookie cards in ninety ninety one score. So what's kind of fun about this, again, this is like the 90s when, you know, kind of stuff was everywhere, right? So if it's a rookie card of the guy and he's pictured in his NHL uniform, that's fine and good. But if he's not in his NHL uniform, then they had to they had to do a few things. For instance, like Peter Ng, and by do a few things, I mean uh, airbrush out the logo. Peter Ng, who played in the AHL, even though it's the Maple Leafs, it's the AHL Leafs, whatever their their team was then, maybe Newmarket Saints, and um, they airbrushed out the logo. But if they if the player played in the IHL, like Cam Russell, you see that he still has his Indianapolis Ice logo on his jersey. But if he played in uh, junior, like Rick Corvo, then they airbrushed out the logo. But if they played internationally. Well, they didn't really do anything to the international cards because they didn't have to. There's like a one guy in a Canadian jersey and then Matt Sundin in his Swedish jersey. And I guess now that I think about it, Lindros, they didn't really have to uh, remove any Oshawa logo because you can't see it in the card. But this is a great picture. Like, I looked at this picture today, but, I, you know, as a kid, I didn't look at this and say, oh, they're trying to hide the Oshawa Generals logo. It just, to me, is a cool-looking card. Skating with his head down, but still a cool-looking card.
0: Yeah, and I think most people that, I don't want to say most people, but kids that collected back then, I don't think even noticed some of that stuff. You know, you just see the player, getting the player on the card. Then you would go back later on and look at it and be like, wait a minute, what is this jersey? (laughs) And then that would take you down the rabbit hole as best you could because obviously there was no internet that you could go and easily find the answer to your questions. And if they didn't print it directly on the back and you didn't already know, well, you have to hit up the library.
1: Well, a lot of times these would be the kind of questions that would get sent to uh, Beckett Hockey Magazine. And people would say like, why is the logo on Peter Ng's sweater removed from the photo? And then they'd explain that they didn't have the rights to include AHL team logos in the set. Still, it's kind of fun though that like, You had this prospect subset that had guys who were in international jerseys and junior jerseys and minor league jerseys. And then, of course, like their pro jerseys, if they, you know, were called up a little bit for the previous season. Like another example, Jimmy Waite, who's pictured in a Blackhawk jersey. So I think that was cool. I I liked that kind of variety, that it kind of broke the norm, that like, whereas Upper Deck pictured Matt Sundin, with a draft photo. And I think it's a great photo of Matt Sundin in the Nordiques jersey. But I also thought the picture of him in the team uh, Sweden jersey was also really cool.
0: Yeah. And I kind of felt like that was something that was being done across the board with a lot of the sets that year. They were taking photos from from the draft and mm-hmm. used, utilizing those because at the time that a lot of the sets came out, they, these guys hadn't set foot on NHL ice yet. So in my mind, when I think of the set, the draft pick cards, I always think of the Daryl Sador card Mm -hmm. uh, in the Kings jersey, where he's Mm kind of like leaning to the side. Mm -hmm. Um, And for some reason, I think of the Turner Stevenson card. I'm not sure why. Or the Trevor Kidd card uh, or the Keith Primo card. Those all come into my head when I think of the draft pick cards. I don't even think of the Yager card, even though he's got that's sweet lettuce on his head.
1: Yeah, I mean, I like I liked most of these. Yeah, the Turner Stevenson, he's kind of turned a little, no pun intended. And then uh, Scott Sissons look like he's holding in a fart or a sneeze, not sure which, you know. But he's just trying to keep it together while they take his picture. Oh, yeah, Darian Hatcher's also got a rookie card in this set. Very, very excellent defenseman.
0: I just remember Hatcher looked so young on that card.
1: Well, they all do. I mean, they're all like 18, 19, you know, draft age players. No, that was a cool set. I was a little upset that they didn't get every single draft pick. I would have loved it if they had all 21, that to me would have been amazing, but they got as close as they could and and that's okay.
0: How many do they actually pull from that draft? you
1: Okay, well, let's see, nine. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15,
0: 16 of the 21. 16 of the 21. They weren't all first-rounders, were they?
1: Yeah, they were all first-round picks.
0: They were all first-round picks? They were
1: all first-round picks.
0: So anybody that wasn't a first-round pick could have possibly had some different photo used. Because they wouldn't have been used as part of that first-round pick subset.
1: Right. Yeah, these are all first-round draft choice 1990 cards.
0: So somebody like Chris Draper.
1: Well, Draper's he, Drapers in, in Team the, Canada. He's in Team Canada, and actually so is Wes Walls, I think. And then just a fun little tidbit. Scrub players found only in this set. Rick Corvo, Mario Thayer, Corey Kosher, Peter Lappin, Kim Issel, Wayne Doucette, and Shane Stevenson. So these are guys that played no games or almost no games in the NHL.
0: Wayne Set. Uh, that's the card where it looks like he's like in the dark, like they shut the lights off as he was skating up the ice.
1: I think you're right. Let me just through. My... Looks like he's
0: in a Bruins outfit, but that's not what it is.
1: Oh yeah, that is that is that is pretty underexposed. Yeah, he's probably he's probably a junior team or it could be minor league. So uh, as we uh, alluded to earlier, there was uh, two versions of this set. So they were score American and score Canadian. So are and we I,
0: using that term Canadian or bilingual?
1: Well, the bilingual packs were sold in Canada. So I just call it score Canadian.
0: Yeah. And a lot of people do. I just wondered if there's a, a proper way to describe it because I know on the complete set boxes, it says bilingual edition.
1: Yeah. Well, that's probably the right way to call it then. And I know in like 99, 91, 92, it get, becomes even more confusing because there was yeah. SCORE Canadian English and SCORE Canadian Bilingual. And, oh, that's just a mess, especially because yeah. as a kid I bought both and didn't even realize, maybe didn't even realize it at the time. But um, as far as the 90 bilingual set, there's not a lot of difference. That, okay, the main differences are the SCORE logo on the front is red on the bilingual version, blue on the American or English-only version. Um, There are 12 different cards between the sets. Oh, and then, of course, there's more text on the American cards because the text is only in English. So they could have two paragraphs of text because they didn't put a lot of stats on the back. They would just put one line of stats, a career total, and then two paragraphs of text. So these were really bio heavy on the back. There was a picture. There was the, the vitals like height and weight and stuff like that. There was one line of stats, a career totals, and then two paragraphs about the player. I mean, that's really that's really creative if you think about it. I do like stats on the back, and I always did like the Topps and Opeachie sets because they listed all the stats. But I also like what Score did. They went the complete opposite. They're like, you know what? One year of stats, and here's you know two paragraphs so you can learn about the player. Stats tell a lot of story, but you know also stories tell stories. But the Canadian cards only had one paragraph because then they'd have to translate it into French and then have that as well so they'd have a shorter biography so if you like longer biographies you want the American version but if you wanted certain cards not found in the American version the only really notable one is a 1990 Oshawa General's Memorial Cup winner card which replaced the Kip Miller Hobie Baker card which was in the American version because the Hobie Bakers for, you know, sure. college hockey. So they had the the college hockey award winner. And then in Canada, they had the Memorial Cup winner. And it was just kind of an excuse to have Lindros in there again, although he's really small. But uh, and then, you know, the other 11 cards that are different are like, I don't say journeymen, but let me just tell you, this is who you missed out on. If you were in the United States, you didn't get cards of Martin Jelena, Rick Nattress, Jim Sandlack, Brian Hayward, Joe Sorella, Randy Gregg, Sylvain LaFieve LaFever, I can never say his name, Mark Lamb, Rick Wamsley, Mo Mantha, and Tony McKegney. So definitely they focused on putting, you know, guys from the Canadian teams. But it was only eleven cards. So there were eleven and then Uh, the 12th card, the Ashwa Generals card. So, I mean, it was such a minor difference. It almost seemed silly, like, hey, you should collect both sets because less than 10% of the cards in this set are different than the ones that you already have.
0: Yeah, there's not a whole lot of incentive there to go after both.
1: And that's why I didn't as a kid. I mean, I did have factory sets of both, but I wasn't like, oh, man, Martin Jelena has a rookie card in this set. And this coming from the guy who bought like 100 Martin Jelena rookie cards, uh, you know, for investment purposes. I'm still waiting to cash in that investment, but that's neither here nor there. Martin Jelena has a rookie card in the Score Canadian set, and that's the one I should have been investing in.
0: I'm not sure why anyone would buy that many Martin Jelena cards.
1: I don't know. I think I paid a dime each for them. was speculating as a kid. So, you know, I also have probably 40 or 50 Johan Garpenlofts. I know I got a ton of Jager because he seemed like the real deal. And uh,
0: 40 but, or 50 Johan Garpenlofs,
1: But pro set. So it's a different set, different discussion for a different time. Yes. Uh,
0: <laughs> Definitely. We have to dive, do a deeper dive into why you
1: have that many. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah, I think we all asked ourselves hard questions later on in life about stuff that we bought when we were when we were young.
0: I don't, I can't think of anybody that I had that many cards of though. Maybe with Upper Deck because I had so much of it, and that's that's a whole other story. Not with Score though, definitely not with Pro Set. I had a lot of Pro Set, but nobody specifically that I had. Oh, I need four thousand of this guy. Hmm. Because most of the time back then, I was still trading with friends. Mm -hmm. So doubles, out the door.
1: No, at this point, I was buying multiples to set aside, which is why I'd get like, you know, 50 of a certain card or someone. Now, let's see. Another thing about this set that we should talk about is its design. Because a score hockey card from 1991, at the time, I thought the design was a little cluttered. Now I'd say it's pretty iconic because it has stripes on it. So you kind of have like your goal line stripes at the top and the bottom. And in the middle, you have your red line. And then you have your two blue lines. And these are like along the borders. So it's like a little bit full bleed, but not. The picture's not necessarily full bleed. But you have colors, you know, on the top and bottom edges. And then you have like colors on the side edges. And so it's meant to look like a hockey rink. And I think now it, I look at it and it just feels like a hockey card to me it can't be any other sport like if you think of like 86 tops football if you've ever seen that they have green borders and they have uh, now the stripes are diagonal but they have like the the gridiron the yard marker lines going on an angle that can only be a football set because of the green and the white or 89 90 hoops that has the rounded shape at the top you know simulating the the basketball court design. This is a very hockey specific design, but I like it. I liked it then and I still like it today. And I like the back design too. It's neat. There's a lot going on, but it's like information is presented neatly. So I am a fan of the design, even though I don't rank this as one of my top two sets. It's definitely my number three set for 9091. And the design has a lot to do with that, but definitely more appealing than I think tops and OPG that year
0: yeah it's definitely a a good design the only the only other set I can think of that looked similar to that, and you're right. this I mean that's flat out a hockey rink, so mm-hmm. you can't really make that anything else. but um uh, I don't remember the name of the company, but back at the same I think it was the same year they put out a football release that came with candy in it. It was called Stars and Stripes. I don't mm. know if you remember that it had I like don't. peppermint candy in it mm-hmm. but they were red and blue, red, white, and blue stripes along the edges too, with a red border on the top. Hmm. But they were football cards. Maybe it alternated red and blue, but I know the side. The side had the red, white, and blue, but it was all red, white, and blue, so it looked like a barber pole. Mm. So there were those, too. But yeah, I mean, this design with having the way, there's no mistaking that this these are hockey cards. I mean. Even if that wasn't the photo and all you saw was the design with no photo there, you would know that this is probably going to be a hockey set just simply for the fact that it's got the two blue lines and the red line. Um, You know, the other thing that some people point out when they talk about this design is that even though they're not centered in the middle, you also have the two little half moon cutouts in either corner, one Mm -hmm. for the logo and one for the little hockey guy. And Mm -hmm. those could be like the goal creases if they were centered even ah. in the corner, but you know, now we're, now we're just, now we're getting crazy talking yeah, about they could potential, be potential circles design. even. What I liked about these and what I like about any of the sets from that era that did this was the fact that you had a different picture on the back. The headshot of the player was different than the one on the front. So it wasn't just another zoomed in photo of, you know, the front picture. It was another separate photo headshot of whichever player was featured. And a lot of times on a lot of the cards, if the front had them in a home Jersey or an away Jersey, the back had them in a different Jersey. Mm-hmm. So like, for instance, if you look at the Pat LaFontaine card, he's got a white Jersey on the front and on the back, he's getting the blue. If mm-hmm. you look at Mario, Mario's yeah. got a different Jersey on the front than on the back. So those are just two that I could think of in my head, but you know, Yeah. Oh. Anytime that they go that extra step, and add that other feature to it. From a design standpoint, it adds a little bit of extra and makes it seem a little more thought out. You know what I
1: mean? Yeah, and another thing that I'll just point out is that those little icons in the corner, I mean, they had the little uh, player and the little player silhouette in the lower right corner it varied. I mean, if it was a goalie, it'd be a little silhouette of a goalie. And if it was a center, it would be a little guy with his stick down. And if it was a defenseman, it would be a guy who appears to be skating backwards, by the way, he's posed, you know, so it it varied, you know, the left wing and then, um, yeah, right wing and left wing, they had them facing, you know, in different directions. So I mean, even though there was like a little like, letter for C for center, or G for goalie or whatever. They also put a little thought into like those little player silhouettes in the corner about, um, you know, to to denote their position, which I think was pretty cool.
0: I didn't even, I didn't even think that.
1: Yeah. If you look at a goalie, it's a goalie. If you look at the defensemen, they, they seem to be kind of hunched, uh, forward a little bit like they're kind of like shift like they're kind of skating back you know like they're a little bit like leaned forward I think that was cool See, I knew there were
0: different guys and I didn't really make the connection that they were position players I know they used the different colors on them like they were mm-hmm. red or orange or green or blue or but I never I never even thought about that
1: yeah well and I, I don't know what the colors signify because that seems to be a little more random Okay, so when I was a kid, obviously I liked this set then. I like it today. I told you about me searching packs in 1990 and trying to find as many Eric Lindroses as I could. What was your reaction to this set when it came out in 1990? Like you being, uh, you, I mean, you were a hockey fan a few more years than I was, so you were probably maybe a collector a little bit longer, or not, maybe not a little bit longer, maybe you started a little earlier than me, or maybe we started around the same time, but you were definitely in the thick of it by 1990, right?
0: As far as hockey goes, yeah, because the previous years when I kind of started with hockey with mm-hmm. with just tops uh, mainly, and you know at this point I was collecting everything, all sports, and score was one that was in addition to Pro Set and and tops were was one that was readily available uh, wherever I could find somebody that carried hockey cards. One thing I did remember on these is bringing back to this the plastic packaging. Never did like the, the way these were packaged
1: mm-hmm.
0: always bothered me that they were in like plastic package. Cause I felt like that plastic, like was detrimental to the cards. Like it would smash them up when you tried to open them
1: because you mm-hmm. put
0: too much stress trying to pull the card apart. kind of like the pro set packs did. Cause the yes. pro set ones were like that too. And I think the pro set ones were even worse, like you could get the score ones open without much pulling. But mm-hmm. those Pro-Set ones, you had to, like, yank on them sometimes because mm-hmm. they wouldn't come apart. So they weren't quite as bad as those, but I never liked that plastic plasticky feel to them. Mm-hmm. Kind of like why I didn't like Opichi from this year. Yes. Because those packs were horrible. You, you'd try to open them up, and they'd separate from themselves. The, yeah, the sure. film with the image on it would come apart from the plastic. And like, you'd end up with tearing the packs in half, and that happened a lot with these back then, so... Like I said, I could I could readily get these, so I had quite a bit uh, that I was able to collect. Never, never had the bilingual ones until later on when I saw at a show that somebody was selling cards that I thought I had for three times as much as I thought they were worth. And realized that, oh, well, these are different. These have a little purple stripe on the back where it says their position, and it's not in English. That was my first awareness of that there was a separate you know completely separate set outside of what i knew of because most of the places i and we've talked about this before most of the places where i would buy cards there was never the canadian option Mm -hmm. there was never the french option Opeachy was never nowhere to be found rare occasion would like a hobby shop have it right but nothing retail would ever have anything like that until it became more readily available with opici premiere and stuff like that and those are more widely distributed. But, you know, as far as this score goes, yeah, I had tons of it. Probably enough to fill a couple 5,000 count boxes at one point.
1: So, wow. Yeah. I probably had one 4,000 or 5,000 count box. Actually, I still have that box. It's I believe it's a 4,000 count box full of extra score because i bought so much of it back in the day one thing here's, a, most, here's a funny oh, story
0: 1990, yeah. 1992
1: mm-hmm.
0: i went through all of my no it was 1993 it was after i moved to indiana i went through all my cards because i had to pack them up and bring them so i went through all my boxes of just randomness and i started I decided you know what i'm gonna put these sets together because i never put them together i just collected players or teams or whatever and traded off whatever i had the rest and didn't really mess with it so i decided to put sets together and you know being a set collector in my current hobby life you think oh well you got not quite two five thousand count boxes but almost filled with these you've got to have a few sets in there right I mean, considering there's only 440 cards, you're not going to have the Lindros extras that were in the factory set, but I'm going to have the base set. No, I built separate sets. So I did one, two, three, four, five, next one, one, two, three, and I did them in the order. Every row in there, I was missing cards. I couldn't mm-hmm. even put together one complete set hand collated, not one. That's so frustrating. I had nine incomplete partial sets, any needing anywhere from three cards up to about 120 cards. Wow. Yeah. And so I had them all separated in the boxes like that. I left them like that for years and years, and then ended up selling both of those boxes probably, I think, maybe for five bucks each. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that was like 90... Ninety-seven, ninety-eight. Whenever the McGuire and Sosa thing was going on.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, late. That's 90s, when I. Really that's
0: when I sold off. Yeah, that's when I sold off a ton of, a ton of my stuff. So, but yeah, all of that work trying to put everything and sorting it all together, and years of collecting that, well, mainly collecting it that year and the the following year, and not having one single base set, it's kind of disheartening just to, to see that after the fact.
1: You know, it is. And one thing that I'll say, kind of changing the subject a little bit, but just, but not kind of in a similar vein is that I did buy factory sets of score in 1991 because of the the five card Eric Lindros subset. What's odd about that is like, if you think of like tops, tops or like, um, actually I'm not sure about like with baseball, but definitely with hockey your incentive to buy the packs were to get the insert cards, because the insert cards were not in the factory sets, right? You're like talking 90, and, ninety-one
0: or just yeah, Tops general. and Bowman. Okay, yeah, but to get the Hat Trick Heroes or the
1: right um, team scoring leaders, the
0: team scoring leaders, the awesome
1: yeah. flame logo, right? Um, but with score or sorry, yeah, with score, you you bought the the factory set. To get the five Lindros cards that show him, like, you know, with St. Michael's and with Oshawa and an OHL all-star uniform and a couple other ones of him with, in uh, Oshawa uniforms. And, like, I guess if you were really, like, hype on Lindros back then, you would have bought the factory set and been done with it. So, like, I guess the only real incentive to buy packs was to, like, speculate, like, to get extra copies of, like, the rookie cards, and and so that just seemed kind of like an odd strategy, right? Like, especially since I remember factory sets coming out at the end of the year, but not at the beginning of the year. And this one came out, like, pretty early in the season because it was kind of like, do I want to buy a factory set or do I want to buy a bunch of packs? And I ended up buying both for those, you know, those reasons to get the Lindros cards in the factory set and to have the set and be done and then tons of packs to get extras of the rookie cards. You know, even like the OPC factory set, did not have the Red Army inserts. If you bought that factory set, great. You got the 528 cards. You didn't get the extra Red Army cards. So I thought that was just kind of like a little bit of like a reversal that they gave you an incentive to buy a factory set. But then I felt like there was really no incentive to buy the packs. Like there was like no inserts or stickers or holograms or just something to make you want those other than just to have more of the same cards.
0: See, it's kind of the opposite for me because back then I, I didn't even know what the word investment was or speculate was when it came to that kind of thing. And you know, you look, you can look back on all of that stuff now and say, oh yeah, well I had all these Broder rookies or this guy rookie. Yeah, well nobody knew who he was back then. Right. So you may have had a hundred of them, but you didn't know it. I mean, you didn't know. And that's the thing. I collected to collect, and I liked opening packs. And if I found it. And I could scrounge up the fifty cents, I'd buy a pack right you know if they had if all they had was tops, well then all I would buy was tops. But you know sometimes there was a choice, and if the choice was between a fifty cent pack a score or a buck something on an upper deck pack, well, I was going to buy a couple score packs because I could get two for the
1: price of one right,
0: <laughs> and that was kind of the you know how that thought process went and i I know when the pharmacy uh sold those uh, that was up at the town square area. They used to have just boxes and boxes of it on the shelf and they would put it behind itself. So you'd have a box that'd be open in the front Mm -hmm. and then you'd have like four or five boxes behind it. And you know, we would always mow grass or do whatever we needed to do to build up our money so that we can go and buy as many as we could so that we could have these massive trading days. Where everybody mm-hmm. go to somebody's house with your boxes of stuff and just, you know, you trade card, you trade you trade the same card 20 times. You'd end up with the same stuff at the end of the day. And you were trading all day. I mean, that was the time back then. And you know, for me, I didn't even think about the factory sets at that point.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like that wasn't even on my radar.
1: Makes sense. So a couple cards that I just want to point out. So there are error cards in this set, not as many as Pro Set. and by errors, I mean errors and variations that were corrected. However, looking at trading card database, there are some uh, so-called errors that were never actually, uh, that I've never been able to find corrected versions of. So first, let me just tell you what, at least the ones, uh, actually, I think these are all the ones that have two versions. The most notable, I think, is Dean Evason, who on the error card is facing the left edge of the card towards the Whalers logo that's in the corner. And the corrected version, he's facing the right edge of the card away from the Whalers logo in the corner. The reason why you can't really tell at first glance is because the Whalers logo is symmetrical. So if you didn't know, like, if he's a left-handed shot or a right-handed shot, and, you know, The five looks like a two kind of, and you don't see the full number anyway. So, I mean, for many years, I kind of looked at the card and like it felt off to me, but I never really picked up that it was uh, an error. But there's a version where he's flipped facing the other way. There's two versions of Craig Muni's card. There's an error that has Craig Simpson on the back. And then, of course, they corrected it with Craig Muni's headshot on the back. The Kip Miller, Hobie Baker card Uh, There's an error missing the score logo on the front. There is a variation. Oh, you got that one? I do. There is uh, Wayne Gretzky, card number one, rightfully so, in the set. Uh, The error says he catches left like he's a goalie, and the corrected says he shoots left. Jimmy Waite, a goalie, the error card says he catches right, and the corrected card says he catches left. And then there's a variation of the Mike Madano all-rookie team card, where there's like one version of the card
0: cropping right
1: yeah and the thing is is that like the one where they cropped the photo so he's bigger in the picture but then the all rookie team logo overlaps part of his face so it's really awkward so then they did an uncropped version of the photo where he's further back away but then the logo isn't like overlapping part of his head so it's it's just a kind of a a photo variation because they kind of looked at that and said "Hmm, this could be better now as far as like other errors, I mean, or corrected. I mean, there's allegedly a Joe Neuendijk error, which I've never seen. Sorry, a Joe Neuendijk corrected version, which I've never seen. A Brent Ashton error, which I've never seen. A Mark Fitzpatrick corrected, which I've never seen. A Dave McElwain corrected, which I've never seen. Uh, and I think What are the
0: errors? Like stat uh, errors or something? Or
1: or a typo on the Joe Neuendijk card. There's a typo in the biography on the back. Um, with Mark Fitzpatrick, it's a catches right, catches left kind of thing. With Dave McIlwain, there's a sh- it shoots right is the error, or sorry, is yeah shoots right is the error, shoots left is correct. Although my thing is that like if it's not on Trading Card Database, that doesn't mean that the card doesn't exist. But I've been looking for these cards for years, and I've even ordered them off of dealers who sell on Beckett. Who then emailed me later and say, hey, I found all the cards you wanted except for a couple of cards from 9091 score. So I'm refunding you your 80 cents and shipping out the other, you know, 50 cards that you ordered. Right. Yeah.
0: In case of those errors, though, a lot of times with trading card database, wherever the error is. If somebody decided to scan the card, they scan the other side or they just use the photo of the normal one and don't put the side where the error belongs to. So even though it supposedly exists, you've never seen it unless you've seen it.
1: Right. And the thing is, is that I haven't come across it. And I mean, I went through my thousands of scorecards and couldn't find one of these errors that I don't have or one of these corrected versions that I don't have. Now, I'm not saying if I don't have it, it doesn't exist. But Don't i me never look through
0: my ninety ninety one score again, trying to find all these dang errors.
1: <laughs> the thing is, is that if I haven't seen it, and nobody else that I know has seen it, and people on message boards says they haven't seen it, and Trading Card DB doesn't have a scan of it, and Beckett doesn't have a scan of it, and none of the dealers that I've contacted have the card, I'm pretty darn sure that the card doesn't exist at this point. So at what
0: point in time and when did the idea that there was a correction like come up
1: don't know like it could how have been, did that originate it could have been beckett contacting score about something and score saying we intend to correct these cards but maybe they never did for whatever reason yeah so um but anyway so i just think that's a little interesting tidbit that there are some errors and variations worth tracking down, and then some... You're going to have to send me a
0: list of all the ones that you think don't have a correction, and I'll have to go through mine and see if there is one. Definitely. I'll take a look. I only remember, like... See, some of those I do remember, like the the Madonna one. Yep. That was cropped. Yep. Um, I remember... I think it was the Daryl Sidor card again. His name spelled wrong, but I don't think they ever fixed it. Hmm.
1: Now, another thing that uh, Score did was... They didn't just stick to this set and the Canadian set, or sorry, the set, uh, the two versions of this set. They also made a couple of little side projects. The first one was the um, Young Superstars, which was about, uh, oh, it was about 40 cards, I believe. And it had uh, kind of like a similar design. Well, not really similar. It had... It feels like it kind of swims in the same pond with it, where it had like a red line um, and like right. blue lines. It's kind of like you're just kind of zoomed in on center ice, and then you kind of have like these kind of bluish borders. They're glossy. The backs are different. Kind of a nice design. It's a nice set. I remember picking it up back in the day, and uh, let's see. It has 40 cards, including Eric Lindros again, because... They uh, put Eric in every set they could think of, and even a baseball card set. And it's focused on a lot of the rookies from 89-90 and 90-91, and then also, um, you know, just young players who, you know, may or may not have been um, stars. I mean, a lot of these you can't argue with, like Matthew Schneider, Trevor Linden, Mike Madonna. Martin Jelena, Stefan Fassé, Brendan Shanahan, Jeremy Roenick, John Drews, Alexander McGillney. I'm just reading off one page. I mean, in 1990, that was a solid group of young players, even though maybe John Drews definitely did not have the same career as Alex McGillney or Jeremy Roenick. You know, at that time, he was a good player. He had a really good run in the playoffs. And, um, you know, and Shanahan, of course, he was a good young player at the time. And so this was kind of a fun little set that I'm just pointing out because it was just one of those little extras. And then there was also the rookie and traded set, which is kind of like the update set that you would get in, like, Tops Baseball. And I really liked that idea, although I'm more of a fan of a Series 2 than an update set. But in 1990, 91, or probably these came out in 91 because it had pictures of guys who were traded, pictures of rookies in, like, actual, like, game uniforms like Yager. And Fedorov, I know Fedorov wasn't in the ninety ninety one score set, but he, he has a card in the um, the Rookie set. Did you buy either of those sets when you were um, collecting back then, or did, did they just not hit your radar?
0: I had the Young Superstars one, because it came in like a little playing card box, kind of. Mm-hmm. The Rookie and Traded one I didn't have until later on. Um, I didn't get it at the time. I do have it um, currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, still, I believe. Yeah, I think I still have it. I think I might have a couple of them. But, yeah, at the time, I didn't have it. And it's interesting, like, that Yager card that's in Rookie and Traded. Yes. I think I probably chased after that card for years. And I never could get my hands on one. And I don't know why it was. It's like, that was the only card I wanted out of that whole set. Um, that and the Paul Stanton card, mm-hmm. and I—I I got the Paul Stanton, but I can never get the, never get the Yager for some reason. I you don't didn't know want why the that Gordy was.
1: Roberts is also a penguin. You didn't want him. Yeah, I didn't care about that one. Gordy Roberts or Frank Angelo. He's also in the set.
0: Yeah, I just wanted the Paul Stanton and the Yager.
1: See, that's the weird thing about the rookie and traded set. It was rookie and should be called rookie and traded, and guys who didn't make the cut in the regular four hundred and forty card set. But we're now including in this set, for some reason, just to fill out the ranks. Because, for instance, OK, you did have Dennis Savard, Chris Chelios, Dale Howarchuk, Phil Housley, Joe Mullen, you know, guys who were traded in the offseason. Uh, you had the rookies like Ed Belfour, Sergei Fedorov, here Yager. You had another Lindros card. Here he's pictured in a Team Canada uniform. And a Gretzky, 2003. Point card. So that was nice. You put in the great one, you put in the next one. So that makes the set worth buying. But then there are also guys that just were kind of there for some reason, like Bob McGill, Frank Peter Angelo, Frantisek Musil, Glenn Featherstone. I could go on and on. Mark Habscheid, Gordy Roberts, Mikko Makala. Although I think Makala changed teams, he yeah, was with the Islanders in the previous year. So there were, like, guys that just kind of like – I'm thinking of, like, some of the Blackhawks, like Jocelyn Lemieux and Wayne Presley, you know, guys who, like, weren't good enough for the regular score set and then just kind of put them in this set. So they were neither a rookie nor were they traded. So it's it's kind of an off – I don't say offbeat set. It's just kind of a little bit eclectic of a checklist.
0: Petrangelo was a – that was technically a rookie, even though it wasn't because, I mean – I guess anything. I guess you consider anything at that point if Score could been a rookie because Score didn't make cards prior to that.
1: Right, 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 yeah.
0: Did he have a card prior to that?
1: No, all his rookies are a ninety ninety one.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought. So he's kind of a rookie, even though if you look at the stats on his card, he's got plenty more games played from an NHL total standpoint for it to be a rookie card. So yeah, I understand I mean I understand the point the point you're getting at on that there were a lot of guys that were just kind of leftovers and you know the whole idea of doing a rookie and traded show the guys that got traded and show the rookies that were added later well then there's also duplicates you know there's guys that are in the base set and in the rookie traded
1: set but they're yeah. they're different in different uniforms
0: different uniforms but they weren't traded like is a draft card in the base oh, set, but oh, he's in his uniform okay. in the but he's in the regular playing uniform right. on the ice in the traded set. The well, rookie I think that and makes traded it set.
1: better, Actually. Well, not so better. It's, like, it's a different enough card that I would want both. Sure. Of course.
0: I'm just saying from a traditional standpoint, if they were already in the regular set, why bother putting them in the next set?
1: Yeah, I could kind of see, them. I can see that. Yeah. I mean, other
0: than Lindros, because he's the spokes guy. So right. you've gotta, you got to you got to give him as much exposure as you possibly can. But for everybody else that wasn't necessarily gonna garner the attention, I mean, I could see the the Gretzky one as a tribute type thing to go in. But if they weren't included in the base set, those rookies should be in there. And anybody that was already included, maybe leave off and add some extra guys that maybe got traded that didn't get treatment, and right. then.
1: I think they just had to fill out 110 cards and they just did it the best way they could because their other sets, their other traded sets were 110 cards, whether it was football or baseball. So they did that for hockey as well. And uh, I mean, for the most part, it's okay. What's interesting is that these cards replace the top and bottom red border with a top and bottom, like an orange-yellow border. So they kind of look like alternate universe scorecards, you know, like... Why yellowish-orange? I'm just going to go with orange. I think they're more orange than yellow. Or I guess you could say, yellow orange.
0: Well, these started popping up in my little trading circles. Yep. And nobody really knew for sure what they were because we didn't get into Beckett's back then.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, not until later on. So we weren't really trading based off of a price guide or anything. And it became... Widely known that that Yager card that one of my friends had that I wanted came from a team set. Hmm. Right. Hence, the reason why it had a T after the number is because it Ooh. was team set. So he was number 70 T. So it was like, oh, he came from the team set. So I was always looking for this team set. And to me, in my head at that time, that made sense because they changed the colors to yellow. Like right. you said. So I was like, oh, so it must be team colors. So the other guys from the other sets would also have that color. And then eventually I started seeing more and I'm like, wait a minute. These are all yellow. Maybe all the team sets are yellow. And then later on, I find out, oh, it's a separate set. (laughs) So, yeah, again, this wasn't one that was, I think, widely distributed necessarily at the time. Maybe later, but I didn't find it readily available.
1: So at ten years old, you would have thought that there were seventy players on the Penguins, hence Yagra being number seventy in the team set that was twelve. you know they <laughs> that would include all the minor leaguers, all the junior leaguers, all the front office staff, the secretary, the director of ticket sales and marketing're you know, going something? going AHL set here. so um, what I want to say about oh about this set, I bought it back in the day and then years later I'd find them for a dollar and I don't think I'd, maybe I have a couple extras just because for one reason or another, just because that's kind of how collections happen. Sometimes you buy a collection off of somebody and they'd still have it sealed in the box. So, I mean, this is a set that you could find sealed in a box uh, today. Pretty readily available. The other... Yeah, they're
0: usually on those discount tables most yes. of the time. You'll see it, it's in a little little red box, little red brick box with a goalie on top.
1: You know, one thing I want to say before I, I forget is that the, uh, the Rappers, the Score Rappers had a mail-away o- uh, offer for a checklist. It was a page-sized checklist that was folded and put in a business-sized envelope. You'd mail a check for a dollar and then you would get a checklist six weeks later, which is kind of interesting because if you think about like Tops and OPC, they had checklist cards. Upper Deck had checklist cards. Bowman had checklist cards. Scored and mess around with checklists. They're like, hey, if you want to know every single player in the set and you want to keep track of who you have and who you don't have, send us a dollar and we will send you this piece of paper with a checklist printed on it. And that's what I did. I found my checklist like many years later. And I said to myself, why would I fold this? Because I was not the kid who would fold things to make them fit. But then I realized, oh, it came. It must have come folded. Because there was no way they were going to send it to you, like, in an 8.5 by 11 manila envelope. I tend to remember it coming in, like, a business-sized envelope. Do you still have that? I have the checklist. I actually have a Puck Junk article about the checklist. It's an article. I'll make sure to link to it in the comments. But, yes, there was a mail-away offer for a checklist. And so I... That one, I don't think many people would have mailed it. They call it an NHL hockey player list is the name of it. And It has a little silhouettes, and it has, like, it even notes, like, which cards are, like, in the Canadian set only. And it notes all the, um, does it note the subsets? Yeah, it does. Canadian set, first team All-Star, second team All-Star, rookie team, specialty card, record setter, season leader, et cetera, et cetera. So just print We've it out. On I've never once. seen that. Really? have
0: never seen that.
1: Wow, well this is the first time then that I've showed you something that you've never seen before.
0: Uh, it's not the first time, but it's it's one of the, one of the times I I've, I've honestly I've never seen that. It's funny because I mean, it's not funny, haha, but it's uh-huh. funny, kind of ironic that mm-hmm. that's one thing because you know, we always talk about the fact that most of the stuff that came out during the junk wax era that is quote unquote in scarce supply is usually that kind of thing the mail right. order stuff the things that required the extra effort in order to get are the things that are in short supply even though they were mass produced i mean score probably could run off as many copies of those as they wanted ad nauseum right right but because they required you to send the money and a self-addressed stamped envelope and everything else so that they can then send you this list how many People are going to go through that. I know Dude. as a kid, I was too lazy.
1: Oh, my God. Do you know how hard it was to get my mom to write a check for anything?
0: Uh, that's the other thing, too. <laughs> what kid has a checkbook that can write
1: a It check? was either you have enough cards or you have enough toys. The only yeah. thing she'd mail away for were the free Star Wars figures because those were legit free. You'd send in like four or five proofs of purchases and then they would send you an Admiral Ackbar figure or a Bosk figure or Nine Num or whatever. And we'd even sometimes mail away for two or three of them because I was always getting uh, Star Wars figures as a kid. But then as I get a little older, it would be like... Oh well, I could get Sergeant Slaughter for five UPC symbols and a uh, check for a dollar, and my mom would be like, "Oh, you have enough GI Joe figures, or oh, you have enough what? You have enough hockey cards. You don't need that checklist, or what? Well, whatever. I don't know. You know. Yeah. So I'd always ask my grandma. So she was the one I'd go to to write me a check for a dollar, and she was always good for that. Okay. Until I got my own checking account, then then at that point, a lot of that stuff kind of got phased out, anyways. I mean, I did like. There was that like sweet spot. I'm changing the subject here, but there was that like sweet spot in my like late teens, early 20s, where there were still mail away offers where you needed to write a check, and I had my own checking account, so I was able to like mail away for things, you know, from Tops or I remember like the uh, EA Sports uh, NHL '94 set issued in '93-'94. You know, and it was nice to be able to do that yourself. And now everything's just you buy it online and you don't even think twice about it. You don't need to check anymore. Right.
0: Yeah, the other another set like that, that I think, is the uh, the update set, to ninety one, ninety two Parkhurst.
1: Yes,
0: that's that's another one that you know you think, oh, it was, I mean, we're in the thick of overproduction era, but you don't find those update sets that often. You find occasional cards from it. I mean, the Bill Guerin one's the big one. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't see them as often as you think you normally would see them. Right. I mean, you, know, you know how many New Jersey Devils team sets I found online that say Parkhurst team set, full team set, and it'll even have his name listed. But then when you look at the photos that they take, no Garen card because nobody had the updates. Right. So unless you sent away for him and got the full set, and then broke it apart, that's really the only way you get them, because you're not getting any of those cards out of packs. Right. So. And this is kind of, I mean, I know this isn't a card, but the fact that it's a checklist and there was no internet then that you could just go and download one from. Right. You know, that's kind of a cool thing to have. But of course you would still have it because you have everything.
1: (laughs) Well, I saved everything. I was was very meticulous about that as a young collector. You know, the one thing that eluded me all these years and when we talked about doing a show about all the 9091 sets. And when we were getting closer to doing the score set, I realized that I didn't have something called the 9091 or sorry, it it came out in 1991 It's called Hockey's 100 Hottest Stars and Rising Stars. Not hottest and rising stars, hottest stars and rising stars. So what this was was this was a 100 card set issued by score. It was 1295. And it also came with a full-color book that basically had biographies of all the players in the card set. So they basically picked, like, the top 100 players, either young players or older players, but just basically the top 100 players. And the cards are almost indistinguishable from the regular 90-91 score hockey American cards. The only differences are the card numbers on the back however Gretzky is still number one in both sets so I'm struggling to find a difference between the Gretzky card that came out in the hottest stars and rising stars set and the Gretzky that came out in the regular set since they're both numbered one but the other cards you know the numbers are all messed up you know like in the regular score card number two is Mario Lemieux in Hottest and Rising Stars, it's Craig Simpson is card number two, right? Number three in the regular set is Steve Iserman. Steve Iserman is card number four in the Hottest Stars and Rising Stars set. So it's it's kind of confusing that you might find a card and go, oh, cool, I have an error. But really, it's just this janky set that was sold at stores And I think, I mean, I know the reason behind this. This was because this was at the point where card companies wanted to have that like set where you have to spend $10. It was almost like a pack of cards was too cheap and a factory set was too expensive. So they would try to find that sweet spot in the middle of about $10. In this case, it was twelve ninety-five, which was a lot of money back then for 100 cards, especially when $10 would get you 300 scorecards. So this was a little bit pricier of a set. I wish that they used the rookie and traded design, where they just swapped out the colors on the top and the bottom bars to make them look special instead of making them look identical to the actual set. And just to offer a quick parallel— Hoops Basketball did the same thing in eighty nine ninety. They did a special set that was like hundred cards that had instead of the white borders, it had a yellow border. And at first glance, I thought they were just like yellowed from the sun. But then when I looked at them, I'm like, oh wait a minute, these are different. This is a this is a unique set that was sold at like Sears because you know you have like grandparents and parents who want to get their kids cards for a gift for a holiday gift and you know, they might just say, oh, I don't want to get them packs on to get them something more special. So they get them a set like this, which honestly, after buying one and opening it and putting it in pages, there's really nothing to it. There's no difference other than the numbers on the back. Photos are the same. I haven't scrutinized every single card, but I mean, you've really got to be, I guess you got to really be that completest to want it. And I guess back in 1990, I just didn't care because they didn't look any different. And it just there was really no point to buying like the same cards with different numbers
0: yeah it, this was one of those sets that if i recall correctly it didn't come out until later in the year so the season was already going and everything else and i you know to your point about having something with a different price point on it i think it might have been that in addition to they were trying to reintroduce revenue stream later in the season mm-hmm. with people watching hockey and interested in hockey because you know everything's going so you say okay well here's here's the best players right now you know and we'll we'll throw a set together and we'll we'll put all these guys in it oh but wait we don't want to waste the time on it so we'll just change the numbers on the back and that's it because you're right there's really no distinguishable difference other than the sequential numbering on the back for the set other than the gretzky card being the same and It's very annoying. I remember seeing these in the store. They came in like a clamshell packaging. Yes. And you could find them later on at the various stores that would sell stuff like this, or Donruss Best in baseball, or like the weird Leaf sets that were strange, or like the classic games that had cards in them. Yes. They they were usually in those sections because they were separate from like the, the regular stuff. And... I ignored it because I would always looked at it and you saw the stacks of the cards that were in the package and you'd see the Gretzky card on the front. And I forget who was in the stack on the, the, the other stack. But I was like, I have plenty of these. I don't need any more of them. They don't look any different. And who cares about the dumb book? So that's why I just always passed on this. It's interesting trying to find them later to, to build like the team sets You talk about being a completist and stuff. It's funny. Cause you get, these cards for 10 cents or free. And those that know the ones that came from here, from the hottest and rising stars, these are going to be a buck, two bucks, three bucks sometimes, depending on the player where the counterpart with the regular numbering is 10 cents. (laughs) So if you find people that know what these are and are aware that they came from a different set that might be a little more scarce, you'll see the price tag go up. Mm -hmm. So that's why I say, If if you see a base scorecard from this year and for some reason it's got a weird price tag on it, wherever you're looking, like way too high to be what it is, look at the number on the back. Chances are it might have come from this set instead of the regular one.
1: So you mentioned the dumb book but I've been actually getting lots of enjoyment from the dumb book, which, by the way, was published at a, in a company... I'm sure in, the
0: book is great. Back then, I thought it was dumb, and I didn't want it.
1: Well, I mean, so what's funny is that this book was published in Lincolnwood, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago, a, a, a neighboring suburb. So, I mean, I've actually probably passed wherever this publication's International Limited. I've probably passed that place a bunch of times and not even realized it. But what's funny is that these bios have sometimes backhanded compliments and sometimes they say just some mean things. So I'm gonna read a couple of ones, uh, not the whole bios, just excerpts really quick. Just to give you an idea of, this is what the book said. There's like a total disconnect between the text on the back of the cards and the text in the book that have pictures of the players and their 89, 90 and career stats. So like says here at Olchek, on the downside, so first it talks about Olchek scoring at least 30 goals, whatever, okay, on the downside, Ed Olchek spent some time in coach Doug Carpenter's doghouse as a result of his poor defensive play. And at one point, he and Gary Lehman were accused of playing only for themselves. Still, Olchek was a reason why why Toronto finished third in the NHL in total goals with 337. Okay, that's for Olchek. Not the nicest thing to tell you about this young star or... Hottest star, or rising star. Joe I mean, it could
0: have been worse. They could have, like, just tore him one.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, okay, Joe Mullen. The bad news is that Calgary discarded Joe Mullen after four and a half years of dedicated services, treating him like a scapegoat for their inability to repeat as Stanley Cup champions in 1989-90. Andy Moog. The revenge was nearly complete. Moog led his Bruins all the way to the finals against Edmonton, with whom he'd won three Stanley Cups as backups uh, to Grant Fear, only to lose the first game of the finals in heartbreaking triple overtime. Uh, I mean, I could go on, but I mean, this is just... Anytime uh, the back
0: of your card says heartbreaking or, or a bio about you says heartbreaking, you know, it's not good.
1: Right, right, yeah. I mean, here, Rod Langway, injury and advancing age have become Langway's worst enemies.
0: I mean, it's not wrong.
1: No, but I mean, this, the book is.
0: Somebody called... green lit this text. Somebody.
1: I, I don't know. I, I don't think they did. I I mean, now I think they just never... printed
0: it without, without any type of approval from the players.
1: No, now the, the players would definitely have to approve this sort of stuff because, you know, everything has to be approved to the nth degree. But back then, it just kind of made the stuff, and it's like the players weren't making a lot of money on hockey cards until 1991, so there was really no reason for them to want to scrutinize this. Well, does this make, you know, put me in a negative light or whatever? Um, I mean, here, Curtis Leshician. Leshician is living proof of how tough it is to break into the NHL, regardless of how much talent you have blah 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 talking about his junior career etc and so on and so forth so i was just
0: thinking they could have made the they could have made the edzo one even worse if they would have described what his coaching career was going to be like for the penguins
1: yeah that's uh that's that's another
0: story that's another story entirely (laughs)
1: Eh, but he he ended up doing okay for himself in the end he did that was just
0: you know that was just nice guy finish last situation unfortunately
1: so anyway, so I kind of, uh, like I said, the the um, hottest stars and rising stars, the cards are nothing memorable, which is why I bypassed them many years ago. And then years later, I'm like, must have them, must be completest now. And then I'm just like, yeah, I could totally see why I didn't buy this. In fact, I remember somebody trying to sell this to me in like maybe 2012. I went to a card shop and the guy's like, oh, you like hockey? I'll pull out some hockey for you. And he pulled one out and like you said, it was in a, a clam shell case, which had been yellowed with age, which was fine. I'd probably open it anyways. That's what I did with this one. But then he's like, oh, I want $20 for it. And I looked at it and I'm like, man, this is like the thing you get for like $5. And I mean, now with junk wax on the rise in their prices, you know, I think I paid $10 for this set, but I got one that wasn't $20. So I can live with that.
0: Yeah, you could have bought a whole factory base set for 20 bucks
1: pretty much so probably even um, less
0: not now but you could have
1: so well i got i got base sets to sell if anybody's interested just hit me up on twitter at puck junk
0: i have nine incomplete sets
1: no i'm just kidding i I think you sold them for five bucks a piece i did
0: no i sold them for five bucks for the full five thousand count boxes oh
1: geez wow yeah
0: it's
1: not even a penny a card yeah pretty much Rounding this out, I think one thing we'll just mention real quick before we wrap this up is that Panini revisited this design in 2010-11 when it launched a score hockey set that year, when it had that four-year window of hockey. So there were score sets from 1991 to 97-98, and Pinnacle Brands went out of business, and eventually their IP ends up with Panini. And then Panini gets the license to make hockey cards in 2010 for 2010-11 to 13-14. So then we had score sets those years. And in 10-11, they revisited the design, although they modified it a bit. So it does look like a 90-91 score design, some cards more than others, but it was just basically kind of like derivative of, but meant to be like a spiritual successor because they're like, oh, it's the 20th anniversary of score hockey cards. And I'm like, Oh, score hockey cards. You mean that set that lasted for seven or eight years and then disappeared for 12 years? Sure. It's the 20th anniversary. <sighs>
0: yeah. And the, de- the design basically, for the most part, has everything that the original has except for the colored lines on the side. Unless you're looking at like the season highlight cards. Those have it. Right. Um, sure. Other than that, it's like you said, it's in the spirit of, of that design. And of course, then it was all the other, at that point, you know, you're talking modern era. So there was all the other ridiculousness that went with it. Mm-hmm. So they did have those inserts, not inserts, but they had the
1: parallels.
0: Um, well, subsets within. Yes. But of course, being Panini and being the climate of the time for cards, you know, there were five different parallel versions of everything. And, all sorts of inserts and and, and whatnot that did have the that did have the snow globe set which i always liked snow globes were kind of cool
1: yeah we'll definitely have to do a longer look at the 2010-11 score set because we're like 10 years away from that set now so that's that's having an anniversary of its own but it was nice to see the design get reused because it was such a hockey-centric design. So that did make me a little happy back in the day. And then when I tried to put the set together, I got very frustrated about how terrible the collation was and and everything else. But then again, I guess that would be a lot like 90-91 score and how terrible its collation was too back then.
0: Trust me, I know. Nine sets, not a one complete.
1: (laughs) So is this a set that, you do have a set though
0: right you do have a factory set oh yeah i've got uh i want to say i've got two factory sets and one that i actually did put together by myself Hmm. in my random junk boxes i have probably two rows in a 5000 count box now of just that here instead of two full boxes not quite as many as before but i'm definitely not in the market to go through those again and trying to make another set. I will tell you that.
1: <laughs> Definitely a lot of work. But I will go look for those other error cards just to see if they exist. Right. Should be fun. So I think that's it for this episode then. I think we've said everything we could say about ninety ninety one score. We talked about both versions of the main set. We talked about the, the traded, the rookie and traded set, the young superstar set, the hottest stars and rising stars set. I think we said about all there is to say about this uh, set of hockey cards i'm pretty
0: sure we've said more than's ever been said about 90 91 score
1: all right then let's put a pin in this one sounds good all right so thank you for listening to the puck junk hockey podcast as always if you've enjoyed this show please like and subscribe please consider writing us a review on apple itunes please consider buying a t-shirt at shop.puckjunk.com and until next time collect what you like. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at PuckJunk.